Hello, Twim Nation. This is the Twim Sisters here, Ariane Smith. And Tiffany Hales. Welcome to Conference Weekend. Yay! For longtime listeners of Twim, you know that we generally do a recap of all the sessions of conference, usually on Sunday night when all the sessions are over. We're twisting it up and changing it up this time. This time, we're going to have individual recaps of each session of conference by a different host. So over the course of the next couple of days, you will see in your inbox lots of new TWIM episodes being released. All right. Also, be sure to check us out on social media, Instagram, Facebook, and feel free to share your thoughts and comments on conference. And we hope you all enjoy a lovely conference weekend. Welcome to This Week in Mormon's Sunday Morning General Conference Recaps. You know, Melissa, I got in trouble because I referred to the tabernacle at Temple Square yesterday as the Mormon Tabernacle Choir. Now, I'm telling you, just stick with tab cats. It's easy to remember, and they're the Tabernacle Choir at Temple Square, oh. tab cats. But I figured if it's a podcast called This Week in Mormon's, and I say the word Mormon for a choir, is that really so bad? Yeah, because that's not their name. Oh, okay. Well... So the first question I have for you is, did you notice any increased diversity in the tab cats? Um, no. <laughs> I did not. I mean, um, if you looked closely when they were singing, you could be like, hey, I see a person that doesn't look white. I expected the camera shots to specifically focus on those 10 new people. But they didn't. Mm-mm, not at all. Yeah. Which, I, I, that's fine. Um, but I, yeah, I did actually expect to be like, and here's the people from Mexico, and here's the people from Brazil. I feel like if you didn't read that news article, you didn't even know that's what was happening. Right. Is that maybe a good thing? It's great. It's fine. But also, like, if I live in Brazil, and now there's three members of the choir from Brazil, I want that highlighted. I think that's yeah. special and fun. It should be not just a church, like if you're watching church news, there should be something. In, they did announce it, that there were some people from other countries in the choir, but mm-hmm. they didn't necessarily highlight it in the yeah. in the broadcast. I mean, it's not about them, sure. but Okay, so then this is another little trivia thing. Now, I could be wrong about this, but I have it on good information from a good source that I can't reveal. Because is the it source the prophet? <laughs> is it uh, the prophet? I, the, this source likes to remain anonymous. <gasps> is there, it? There is... <laughs> Go ahead. I'm sorry. There is a color of tie that people are not allowed to wear. In conference? Will, uh-huh, because it will mess with the camera. Uh, it's stuff. green because of green screen effects. What? You got it on your first guess. Well, I, uh, I do have a master's of communications. So, but so. there's green plants behind them. Yeah, but it's not the same thing. Yeah. Yeah, so if you had a solid green tie, yeah, that would mess everything up. I've never, I'm like, some of this, this person said, what's the color of tie you're not allowed to wear? And I'm like, uh, red, I'm thinking of satanic colors. Oh. You can't have ACDC on your tie. I know okay. it's purple ties and blue ties. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And people think of the politics of the colors of the ties. Green is my favorite color, and I've never seen a green tie. Well, and I think it would be really classy for one of the um, female speakers to wear, like, a nice green, you know, business skirt and suit. And they can't? No, that wouldn't work. That's so weird. Yeah. I mean, I don't understand that. I mean, you could make it work, but it just makes it more difficult. Okay. Yeah. Well, and then um, talking about predictions, we predicted topics of what people would talk about. Uh-huh. And there's one topic that we were clearly very wrong about that was highlighted at this conference. Well, Can actually, now there's two that I'm thinking of. You mean that we didn't predict? That we didn't predict. I would not have predicted. So the first one is 
patriarchal blessings. I would not oh, know. okay. There have been two talks on patriarchal blessings, yeah. which I can understand one, like maybe it's been a while since we've had one, but it hasn't even been a while since we've had one because we studied one in the last year. Right. And then to have two specifically on it. Yeah, yeah. that was a, that was shocking. Yeah. Um, and I don't think there was like super new information in either one of them. Like one of them, it felt like he was reading the handbook. Yeah. Like I feel like I could go back in history and read like three or four talks on patriarchal blessings and have all the same information. So mm-hmm. it was interesting. I do wonder if it's something where like, um, worldwide patriarchal blessings aren't a thing that as are like traditional, right. As they are in America and Utah, it's kind of a thing that, that we almost like traditionally do at a certain age, definitely before you go on your mission, definitely before you get married. But um, but I think I wonder like worldwide, culturally, that's not so much a thing. And maybe that's why we're focusing on it. I don't uh, know. Maybe. Yeah, I have no idea. I couldn't figure it out. And I tried to learn what I could learn. And all I did is think, can a person get a second patriarchal blessing? <laughs> and then that took me down a rabbit hole that I don't know the answer to whether or not a person can get a second patriarchal blessing. Okay. But that's that's where these talks took me. I'm like, maybe there's something important here I'm supposed to learn, and I haven't figured out what that is yet. Okay, well, we can work on that. What's the second topic? I did not expect so many talks about civility. So Yeah. Again, I study politics, and... Um, <clears throat> So, you know, I'm completely aware of the anger and the, the kind of the negativity that accompanies politics, in particular social media. Mm-hmm. But I'm also really familiar with a lot of the research on the topic. And yeah. I've just come to the conclusion in my own view that a lot of what you see in the media is overblown and that things aren't as bad as they seem and all of that stuff. And so yeah. it surprised me that there were three talks in one session. Yes. Two from apostles, one from the president of the church all about civility and politics and being kind and um, getting rid of the anger and all that sort of right. stuff. Right, and especially um, with regard to social media. Yeah. Um, there, it, was, it was a lot of like, hey, you, just because you feel something doesn't mean you need to say something. And you definitely don't need to say it in this way. And you're not having the result that you think you're having. Maybe you think you're defending the church or maybe you think you're standing up for what's right, but this isn't what's happening. You're just coming across as uncivil. Yeah, President Nelson had a really nice remark about that, right? He's like, if you if you if somebody says something and you feel like you need to correct them in a harsh way, you're wrong. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Yeah. So let's just look at those talks real quick. So the first one was a Ulysses... Elder Christofferson. Elder Christofferson. Yes. Okay. So um, he talked about um, becoming one. And um, the way that he said that is that it can only be done in Christ and that becoming one happens one by one. And then I think with regards to civility, he also said like that we have wars within ourselves and those expound or expand outward. So when we're having inner turmoil, a lot of times what we want to do is then like get mad at the world sometimes. Yeah. 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 Well, and then he talks about like, Uh, He was quoting somebody, but basically the idea is world peace happens as individuals change and submit to Christ, Mm -hmm. and then two people submit to Christ, and then a community submits to Christ, and then as that process happens globally, then you would have world peace. But that if you're looking for peace in the world, peace in the world comes through peace in Christ on an individual level first, and then growing that, which is what we try and do in the gospel. Right. But I really loved the picture that he painted throughout that talk. I thought it was good. Something else I think is important to note as he said, uh, we cannot be one without submitting to the authority of God. It mm. does not require sameness, but it does require harmony. Because I think that it's there, especially when it comes to politics, people say, 
if they would just agree with me, then we could all just get along. Uh-huh. Or if, if, like, if you have a, a particular political view and somebody has the opposite political view, you feel like there's no room for compromise. Like, these things just feel like such a big deal and, like, there's a, a zero-sum game and winners and losers and if they win, I lose. Right. And there's this idea that we have to agree and have the same idea about those things. And and Elder Christofferson is saying, no, you don't have to be the same. Right. But you do have to have harmony. Right. Um, I think this is illustrated really well, Matt. Um, you do another podcast. Um, it's called Latter-day Lens yeah. with two of your friends. It's very good. You guys talk polit- politics, but from a religious perspective, kind yeah, of. Yeah. yeah. And I've listened to that. And I'm going to be honest, Matt, sometimes you say things on that podcast and I want to lose your mi- my mind because I'm like, does he actually think that? Yes, yeah, you do. I do. And, um, and, and I like kind of have this instant reaction of like, oh my goodness, you're so stupid. Yeah. Because if you don't agree with me, that means you're stupid. Even friend- though you have a, you know, a way more education in these issues <laughs> than I do, my emotional reaction is that you're dumb, right. right? And my friends on the podcast have the same reaction. Right. But it's done so well because they're able to say, okay, I hear what you're saying and here's my perspective. And you guys go back and forth and back and forth. And you don't end with, well, this is where the middle ground is and where we should agree. You end with, you still think what you think, I still think what I think, and we all still love each other, and we're great friends. Because the most important thing, because we believe what the prophets are telling us in this conference, the most important thing is the gospel of Jesus Christ. And the solutions to the world's problems are not found in government and found in politics. They're found in the gospel of Jesus Christ. So the most important thing any of us can do is come together as saints And then the politics just isn't as important as sometimes it feels like it is. Mm -hmm. And I say that as a political scientist. It's just not that important as sometimes it feels like it is. Yeah. Um, We'll probably talk more about this. Unless, do you want to jump to the other two talks that were kind of like this while we're talking about this? Or do you want to keep going in order? Uh, I have nothing more to say about it. Well, then I want to jump to Ulysses Soros. Soros? I know I said that wrong. Suarez. Suarez. He's the only uh, apostle without a middle initial. Yes, I noticed that. Ulysses, I know it's S. Soros, but he's not going with the S anymore. Yeah. Because it's too much. Ulysses S. (laughs) Soros. It's too much. And he made made a good decision there. Um, So he just said that the reason we need to avoid contention is because we are known as disciples of the Prince of Peace. So, like, it falls on us. It doesn't matter what everybody else is doing online, at work, in your neighborhood. If you're a disciple of the Prince of Peace, it's on you. And he also talked about ending personal comments, conflicts first. Um, but he said we need to end commenting and criticizing the behavior of others. Um, I think that he switched it a little bit into, like, what they believe or what their politics are to what their behavior is, uh-huh. right? We yeah. in the church are real, real bad at this. We do like to say, if you're not following the gospel the way I'm following the gospel, you're not doing it right, yeah. right? Well, I also want to say that that's what's modeled for us. The political discourse in the media, by and large, is critical, it's negative, because that's what gets the clicks, right? Mm-hmm. So you can't have a news organization unless people are paying attention to your news. How do you get news? By criticizing, by overblowing, the sort of things. And so we're, from a very young age, people with interest in politics, the model that you see is this negativity. Mm-hmm. And so it's so easy to just bring that into our own personal lives and say, this is how it's supposed to be done. And I really appreciate the leaders of our church saying, that's not how that's it's, not supposed, how it's to supposed to be done. That's not how it's supposed to be done. Yeah. Um, Both Elder Suarez and President Nelson 
quoted the 13th article of faith. They both did it independently. And they said, if there's anything virtuous, lovely, of good report or praiseworthy, these are the things we point out. These are the things we talk about. And these are the things that we are focused on. So it's okay to make a comment if you're commenting on the good, good report. Praiseworthy, yeah. virtuous, yeah, yeah. Like seriously, Melissa, if you look at what happened, like people's perception of Congress is that it's a broken branch and all they do is fight. Mm-hmm. But you can look at the congressional record of stuff that gets done. So much gets done in Congress because there's so much agreement on the issues, mm-hmm. on not on the big issues, right? They they emphasize the issues of division. But if members of Congress can find things that they agree on and work together and can get done then surely we can do that as citizens. Like, there's so much more that unites us as people mm-hmm. than there is that divides us. Mm-hmm. And we should be leading the way as members of the church saying, let's focus on the things that we all agree on, all love, all, all make us great as Americans. Let's yeah. focus on that. And let's not fight so much about the things we disagree about. Yeah. Um, I do want to point out that um, President Nelson said that if we are having difficulty with this, the temple can help. The temple is where we're endowed with God's power and the ability to overcome or cast out Satan. What he's saying is these behaviors, they're of Satan, right? And if you're having a difficult time, and he even made a funny joke like, "Um, you might be thinking, I hope my neighbor is listening to this. (laughs) And I hope they are too. But also, I hope you're listening to this. And if it's difficult, um, get to the temple. That's where you get power. Have you ever had an experience where you're in the temple and something that's really like got you angry, upset, and bothered? You go in the temple and you're like, it's just not that big. It doesn't matter. Yeah, it just absolutely fades away. That happens to me. Yeah. Do you have to go with your wife a lot? (laughs) I'm just kidding. You know how in the prayer circle it says like if you have unkind feelings? Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Mm -hmm. I know people that will avoid it because of that. Mm -hmm. But I think what you're supposed to do is get rid of the unkind feelings and go join the Right. Right. And I think that the temple helps me do that. Mm -hmm. Um, There are lots of things in life that get me down and get me angry. And the temple is definitely a place where I can see like the bigger picture and it's not that big a deal. Yeah. And let it go. And oftentimes it's apologized. Right. Yeah. Because that's, I don't want to. Send a nice text. Tell somebody something good about themselves. Mm -hmm. It's usually how I leave feeling like I need to tell this person how important they are to me. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I pre- because I, I do think, Melissa, there are a lot of people in the church that political views and religious views are very closely aligned. It's not like mm-hmm. my views about like where, what clothes I wear or my views about what kind of like cologne or food I eat. Those don't seem to get tied to religion in the same way that politics does. Mm-hmm. And so I really appreciate this message where they're saying that they're not, they're not equally important. And, yeah. and those things are important. We're not going to say that they don't matter. Right. But like if somebody were to come into my house and put ketchup on a hot dog, I wouldn't be like, how dare you put ketchup <laughs> on a hot dog? It's mustard and sauerkraut. <laughs> right. But with politics, it does feel that way. It right? does, yeah. So I appreciate yeah. them trying to say, look, separate that a little bit. Yeah. Okay, now I have to comment on one prediction that I got right. Okay. In our prediction show. And I'll be honest, I was, I was being silly and maybe some people took it as a little inappropriate to say that I that I email the prophet and give him some pointers on his talk. <laughs> I was just being funny. Like I just feel like President Nelson is a very approachable prophet. I feel like he's he he is relatable and he's funny and he's fun. But I did say that I had I had told President Nelson that maybe he should do a slow wink or a double thumbs up to just kind of give his, you know, yeah. his talk some interest. 
Um, he did not need my pointers. His talk was, he's such a good speaker, but he did some hand gestures, Matt, I noticed. He when he said the word barbs, he kind of took his hand with a fist and kind of like did this. Oh. I, can, I don't know how to explain this gesture, but he kind of like, like an, uppercut. an uppercut to the camera when he said barbs and it was great. And then he said walking on eggshells and he put both of his hands out front with his fingers spread and kind of like jazz hands to the ground like walking oh. on eggshells oh. two hand gestures and i was oh. like nailed it but what if he was just speaking to the sign language crowd and those are the ASL no he was for... being interesting he was being like yes i know i've spoken for a long time but i still love you i still got you he's still got his smile he's making yeah, yeah, yeah. he's making facial gestures and then he made some really good hand gestures and i was like i love this man he gets it that was not a prediction that you made melissa that was, um, that was a facetious joke you made at the beginning of the show. Yeah, I know. I just want to be clear. I love President Nelson. He doesn't need any help from me. <laughs> I was just trying to say, like, he's the best. Well, did you like Sister Johnson's talk? She's okay. the one woman we got today so far. Yeah, um, Relief Society General President. Did I like her talk? I liked aspects of her talk, right? I felt like overall her message was that Jesus provides relief. And I loved that. She had two analogies, um, a backpack with rocks, right, that we carry around up yeah. by ourselves. And as she started to tell that analogy, I was a little bit like, oh, I'm not sure I want to go this direction because I've had so many lessons or teachers um, do this thing where it's like, now let's have you walk around with backpacks and carry the heavy weight. And I just didn't want it to become like this thing that's <laughs> less than that's less than doctrinal, right? That oh, becomes yeah. like this thing that we do. I just wanted it. I wanted it to be focused on the fact that Jesus does provide relief. And that is what she was doing. And this is just like a personal preference of mine. But then when she got to the part where she was talking about a relief pitcher, this analogy oh. really made sense to me because she was like, why when you're, when you've been pitching for eight innings and your coach says, Hey, I'm going to send in a relief pitcher. Why are you like, no, I've got this. How dare you take away my opportunity? Yeah. But you've been failing, you've been struggling, and what he's saying is, here's some relief. Like, yeah. let me let me send in someone else. And that Jesus is our relief pitcher, but on, often we are too prideful, and we're like, no, I got this. No, don't take this away from me. No, I want to handle this. Yeah. And there's relief, and why don't we just accept it? So I loved that analogy, and, and um, yeah. So there's a, an, uh, it's not a talk, but it's in the October Liahona of October 2022. And it's a, a little article that President Nelson wrote. And in there he says that our covenants create a special relationship between us and Christ mm -hmm. that entitles us to a different kind of help. And so in Sister yeah. Johnson's talk at the end, I felt like she really expounded on that idea. Yeah. And she was talking about how our covenants help us find this relief and, and they create us that our covenants are how we take the yoke of Christ upon us. So she was going through that. I was like, wow, this is the Relief Society president expounding on an idea that President Nelson kind of, he kind of started this in October. Uh -huh. but I really loved the way that she just sort of brought a lot more scriptures into it. Yeah. And a lot more analogies to it. And I was like, this is super profound. Yeah, I agree. Um, I, I noticed that too. 
And I, and I appreciate that she tied it together that way because sometimes like I have, I have one of my kids who's really not into church, you know, yeah. and, um, and they'll say like things like, well, why, why is your church so important? Like, you know, um, for example, like the LGBTQ issue is really difficult for this child. They're like, I just don't understand how you can belong to a church that, that just can't love everyone or, or whatever. Yeah. And, and that's a separate conversation. But what I say to them is, whether or not I agree with every policy, I'm in this church because covenants are important to me. Yeah. Covenants and ordinances are what this church offers that nothing else does. And it doesn't mean like because covenants and ordinances like get me back to God. It's not just that. It's what Sister Johnson talked about. It's these covenants and ordinances offer me a special relationship and a special power that I don't have without those. Yeah. Yeah. You want to know something really interesting along those lines? Uh-huh. So in the Oklahoma Mission, they have every month, they have a, a Why I Believe fireside on Zoom. And okay. recent converts will come and they'll share their conversion stories. And so the last two months we've watched them and it's been life changing for, huh. uh, for our family. It's been amazing. Yeah. But one of the first people, he's a lifelong evangelical and he's gay. And as he's sharing his testimony about why he joined our church, he's like, this is the only Christian church where I can live my true authentic self. Uh-huh. And I was like... This is not a message I hear in Utah. <laughs> not that often. A, a gay person saying, this is where I can belong. Like, it has all the truth. It has everything that Christ... And this is where Christ allows me to be me. Mm -hmm. And this, I, I finally found Christianity where I can fit in. And I thought, wow. Yeah. That's a really cool message. It yeah. Very, very cool to hear yeah. him say that. So, I do think Camille Johnson represented herself and her organization beautifully, right? Yeah. Her organization is the Relief Society. She talked about that Jesus is the source of relief. But I also thought she did a really, she's a lovely speaker. She she did a great job. So yeah, win-win for her. Yeah, and my friend didn't know her name, so she was called a blonde hair Blonde hair lady with the pink shirt, got it. But, you know, uh, that's uh, how we are. <laughs> right. Um, Apostle Elder Neil L. Anderson. Um... I thought that there was one really important thing that he said, and if you just want to broadly discuss this, he said, we're commanded to look unto Jesus Christ in every thought. And then he said, it is mentally rigorous to try and look unto him in every thought. Like, yeah, thank you. Like, when I've heard look unto him in every thought, I've always just kind of thought like, you know, like metaphorically. But he's saying like, no, we're supposed to look unto him in every thought that is mentally rigorous. And then he said, it requires less important distractions to fade and for us to remove things that are not in keeping with his life and his character. And the reason I like this is because he didn't point it out specifically. But to me, I was like, I make justifications for things, right? Like, I'm going to watch this TV show and it's not a 100% in line with his life and his character, right? Jesus's life and Jesus's character. But if Rolling Stone says it's one of the top 100 TV shows right. of all time, you kind of have to watch it. And if I need a break, like, good night, I just need to, like, you know, relax, then it's okay for now. And he's saying, no, we are supposed to look unto him in every thought. And it is difficult to do. And the way we do that is we remove those things that don't keep with, with his life and his character. So... You know that I like to put pictures of Jesus in odd places. Remember when I Oh, asked? my goodness. Oh, my goodness. You do. Okay. 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 We've got to pause. <clears throat> Matthew had this old car. A Chevy Corsica. A Chevy Corsica. Okay. And you get in and you sit down in the Chevy Corsica. And there is a picture of the Savior and a picture of Joseph Smith, like, 
glued onto the dashboard, right. like just right there in front. So you just get in and sit down and you're like, well, hello, Jesus and Joseph Smith. <laughs> like just riding along with me today, which is super mad. And like, it's totally, it's totally fine, but also funny. But I remember getting into your car once with some people who did not know you were with me and we got in and sat down and I was like, oh my gosh, I forgot he has the pictures. And one of the kids was like, Who's that? And you're like, well, that's Joseph Smith, the prophet and founder of the, re- re- <laughs> sorry, the restoration. And I was like, yes, yes, it is. Yes, it is. And that is Jesus Christ, our Savior. And then you just keep on driving. And I was like, Matt, I can't believe you can just do this so naturally and normally. And I'm just like, so embarrassed. At the time, I'd only been home for my mission for like six yeah. months. Yeah, yeah. Well, one time in the same car, my my wife's one of her friends from high school who was not a member of the church. She got in the car and she's like, who's that, Mozart? <laughs> Why would I have a picture of Mozart? <laughs> Anyhow, so at my home, I have the TV on the wall. And then right next to the TV, I put the picture of Jesus Christ in Gethsemane because I thought this will help me to only watch holy things. Yeah, because if you're watching TV and there's a picture of the Savior right next to the TV. But I've noticed that when I'm looking at the TV, I don't look over to the picture of Jesus. Well. So it it reiterates the point. It's mentally rigorous. It's hard to keep that in our minds all the time. Yeah. And if you try to, sometimes you look a little silly. Yeah. But but yeah, I, I loved that talk. Um, I think we've got one more to cover. Kevin R. Duncan. Do you remember him? Uh, let's see what I wrote down for Kevin R. Duncan. Blessings of temples. That's oh. what I wrote down. Okay, well, temples. I thought he did a really good job organizing his talk because he started out by talking about how the gospel is joyous. We are living in the great plan of happiness. And as he spoke, he had a great smile. Like he seemed just like really like I'm a happy dude. And, um, and then he talked about how baptism, ordinances, and covenants, these are gifts from God, right? Gifts make us happy, right? This is a happy plan. And then, yeah, that's when he shifted into temples. And he was like, temples are a high priority because this is what allows us to access those ordinances and covenants. And so, like, this is why we're doing temples. This is why it's important because we are happy people. This is a happy plan. And this is where we get those gifts that bring us that happiness. Melissa, you do the best recaps of General Conference. Oh, do I? I think so. Um, I think you do a really good job. I missed having you on the last one that I did without you. Oh, that's nice. I loved hearing Sandra. Well, I just want to ask you this question because we haven't had any temple predictions. And I'm hoping it's going to come in this um, Sunday afternoon session. Yes. Um, What Kevin Duncan said, Kevin R. Duncan, he said, as temples grow in numbers, the adversary grows weaker. So do you think... He's giving us a little hint like, wait for it. We're not even close to done announcing temples because the more temples we have, the weaker the adversary grows. Well, that's true. I've, I've heard that the number is around eight or 900 temples that they're shooting for. We're at 300. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. And somebody recently, I was in a meeting, they said that there was like 130 temples and somebody was like, and President Nelson joked, put another zero after that. We want 1,300 temples. Wow. Like we really do want lots and lots and lots of temples that's really fun to think about think of the expense of that melissa like yeah if you were if you were joseph smith brigham young even heber j grant like imagining the idea of having 300 temples operating in the world plus all of the church buildings that we have in the world all the state like those are all yeah. expenses those are not revenue producing assets right 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 They're, like the cost of that it requires a membership that's faithfully paying uh, tithing and faithfully attending and yeah. using all those things. I think that's why, as 
the, the, the growth of temples, it's not just the ordinance as it provides, but it's the service and the dedication that's required to have a temple mm-hmm. makes the people of the church better people and reduces the power of Satan. Yeah, that's, that is really cool to think about. Yeah. Well, just wait for it. I'm, I'm telling you, Fillmore, what? Utah, <laughs> Rigby, Idaho. Twelve temples, <laughs> none in Utah, none in Idaho. Okay, we'll see who's you, right. I liked your Atlanta, Georgia temple. Okay, we will see who's right. Listeners, thanks so much for sticking with us. Matthew, I really think you should promote your other podcast really quickly because I do think listeners of Twim will enjoy it. The Latter-day Lens. Great. I think we already talked about it, but yeah, tune in. Okay, and we'll We'd have a, have you. Yep, we'll have another recap after next session. Okay.